This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault, and this is episode one of a brand new era. I am very excited. This is the first episode being formally made in partnership with Aesthetic Magazine, and I couldn't be happier. And to celebrate this big first episode, I have none other than Curtis Sindri, the Aesthetic Magazine head honcho. Thank you, Curtis. No problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I thought, you know, there's no better way to do this. We've been talking about this, going back and forth over text, over emails, sharing ideas, talking about what we want to do. It only made perfect sense in my mind to have you on as the first guest to really sort of set the tone for this. So I, I hope you understand the full weight of expectations I'm placing on you. <laughs> such an opportunity, but also such a responsibility. With great power comes great... Wait, no, sorry. I don't own that tagline. I can't say that. <laughs> don't want to get sued. <laughs> I see you, Marvel. Um, yeah, so this is really exciting. This is this is the first episode in your now expanding empire of, of podcasts. Uh, and me bringing ContraZoom to you, I think, is just an absolute perfect fit. And uh, I'd love to you to sort of like launch it off. You know, what are you thinking getting into this madness with me? Well, you know, um, I, I've been a, a big fan um, of the podcast for um, as long as it's existed, really. Um, you know, it sort of um, opened, you know, sort of a door for me to, you know, explore new films Um that I, you know, sometimes otherwise wouldn't really be exposed to, you know, more foreign films, more um, sort of underappreciated, underrated um, gems. Um, and that's sort of why I reached out and just like, hey, we should collab, you know, and it's, uh, as you said, it's been a journey and a half um, getting from, you know, the initial sketches to, you know, signing a contract and actually getting this, I know, finally off the ground. It's been, it's been fun. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I feel like we've been, we've been talking about this for a while now. And, I, you know, being in the, the, the music scene for, for people who are maybe listening to this for the first time, uh, I myself am also a music photographer and writer. We've crossed paths a bunch of times because the Toronto music scene is so small. And every once in a while, I'd run into you and you'd, you'd say something about like, oh, yeah, I, I heard you say this on, on your last episode. I was like, oh, really? I didn't know you listened to that. Or you'd ask me about like what movies I'd see. I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm always down to talk movies. So I think even though formally this has only been going on for a little bit, this partnership, I think, in my mind has always sort of made sense to to eventually come to fruition. Yeah, I, I'm glad you've, uh, you know, sort of made a home with us, um, you know, and uh, it, it seems to be the start of a very fruitful relationship. Great. Uh, so I think that's enough waxing poetically about me. <laughs> Uh, I think we should sort of talk about what this episode is about, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the first episode of this new iteration would be like is kind of tough. Uh, I have a bunch of different ongoing series that I do. Am I just going to do another movie review? I don't know. But like, it's the start of summer movie season. Why don't we just talk about a bunch of movies that are coming out? 
the big tentpole blockbusters, the the hidden indie gems that sort of sneak through, the movies that we've been waiting forever to finally come to North America, things like that where, you know, it's, what better time to actually talk about and maybe ask some questions. I think some of the movies that we're going to talk about, maybe either myself or you aren't super excited to see or maybe even will see but definitely have some curiosities about well how will this movie do how will this sort of genre or or type of movie do and uh and i think it's going to be a good one um so i guess without further ado let's talk about some may movies that are coming out and the first one is uh ad astra which is coming out on may 24th which is the new brad pitt movie it's like a, a drama, a mystery. He plays an astronaut that's traveling into outer space. Something about the survival of Earth. But that's all we know. There's no trailer. This movie is about to come out any day now, and we know nothing about it. What the hell? Yeah, it's definitely a weird kind of journey this film's been on. Um, it's, been, it's directed by James Gray, who um, did The Lost City of Z, which... I don't think got as much love when it was released in 2016. It was kind of that biographical adventure drama film um, that I absolutely loved. It was a slow burn, to say the least, but it was well worth the trip. Um, the The cast itself is kind of stacked. Like, of, of course, Brad Pitt in the starring role, Tommy Lee Jones, of all people, playing his father, um jamie kennedy donald sutherland um just a really really great cast but as you said it's one of those weird kind of films that's gotten pushed back and pushed back um in terms of its release date and i was looking for a trailer um this afternoon and found absolutely nothing so to say that you know it's even hard to have an opinion about it either way but Although seeing Brad Pitt, you know, as an astronaut, I'm kind of excited to see that. <laughs> yeah, I would not be shocked in the slightest if this movie ends up getting pushed back to award season. Uh, and that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to, to follow along with. For sure. Uh, coming up next is our first sequel of the summer season, and that is Godzilla, King of the Monsters, coming out on May 31st. This is now the third series, third film in the sort of go uh, Godzilla, Kaiju, Monsters universe that they're trying to build. The first one was uh, the, the Godzilla remake that came out a couple of years ago with Brian Cranston, and then there was um, the, the King Kong movie, which I'm, I'm blanking on the title, uh, Kong Skull Island, that also just came out. And then this is sort of linking those two movies together by expanding this ever-growing monster universe, which is basically just Godzilla versus the greatest hits. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it's one of those, you know, things where they're trying to create a universe around, you know, a certain central character, in this case, Godzilla, I haven't seen the other Godzilla movies. It has never really been my thing. I think the last Godzilla film that I saw was the one in, I think, like, 97 or 98. Oh. It's been a while. Um, but I saw the trailer, and it kind of looks amazing. <laughs> um, it has that song, uh, Claire de Lune, but it was kind of, like, played at a slower 
kind of rate, which made it just all the more epic. And but the fact that like we almost could have had um, what's his name uh, Gareth Edwards uh, directing, who all, who did uh, the 2014 reboot of Godzilla and Rogue One, um, kind of leaves a bit to be desired. But the trailer itself like looks epic. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. They've they've got uh, Michael Doherty directing this, and looking at his credit, it's basically uh, a couple horror movies, uh, mainly Trick or Treat uh, and Krampus, and then a soon-to-be Trick or Treat 2. He also uh, wrote Superman Returns. He did, yeah. I'm looking at his writing credits, and, and that, that doesn't really inspire me a ton either. Um <laughs> So I don't really know what to really expect with this guy. Um, but as far as what this movie is going to be, the trailer, I think the the monsters fighting each other looks awesome. I think they might be weighed down a little bit by too much human story that, frankly, people just aren't going to care about. Mm, exactly. And it's always the delicate balance with in terms of, you know, uh, you know, films humans versus monsters and that sort of thing because uh, i feel like a lot of these uh films kind of focus too much on one thing and then you either get burned out by too, telling too much of a human story too much of a monster story and you need that sort of delicate balance in order to be able to engage viewers for sure mm -hmm. but it's got a pretty good cast you know it's got charles dance from from game of thrones and millie bobby brown from stranger things and then a bunch of other big names like vera farmiga bradley whitford sally hawkins kyle chandler o'shea jackson jr from straight out of compton ken watanabe like it goes on and on so it's definitely got like a really interesting group of people that are doing their best let's scream at the green screen sort of thing <laughs> for sure i love kyle chandler he's like the best he's he's a gem um have you seen um game night yes i have he was fantastic in the movie. <laughs> one of my like probably like at least my top five favorite films of 2018 for sure mm -hmm. yeah no that's definitely one of my my favorites as well easily probably the best comedy of the year all right so the next one we're going to talk about is rocket man the elton john biopic coming out on may 31st i think the big question is will this movie be better than the freddie mercury queen biopic bohemian rhapsody from last year because that movie was hot garbage <laughs> at least in terms of editing yes yeah absolutely i i assume you've seen the the editing youtube video where they show the 50 different cuts in a two minute table scene oh for sure and like even just watching the film itself is just like even if you weren't an editor you could tell that it was just like cut to death yeah but i think the the main point in terms of um you know the subject matter you know elton john as we all know is a you know pretty much an lgbt icon and you know it's one of those things where are they going to sort of downplay um you know his experiences um with his relationships and that sort of thing because you had that a lot with bohemian rhapsody especially overseas and you know japan and china and that sort of thing where they censor um you know lgbt characters and that sort of thing so um i wonder how much you know sort of censorship it's going to sort of uh suffer from especially overseas 
Yeah, that was definitely something that was really weird. And while Bohemian Rhapsody and Freddie Mercury kind of had this issue where uh, Freddie does sort of explores his sexuality and that sort of unfolds in the movie dealing with elton john of this same time frame he when he was starting out was married to a woman and then eventually realized that he was gay himself so i don't know are they also going to do something similar where they sort of show both sides of that coin Mm -hmm. and even so like even with bohemian rhapsody like i don't think there was like a scene in that film where like they showed like a positive like gay relationship yeah, there's just the like one relationship towards the end where he meets the the guy who ends up being his final partner. That scene where they meet is kind of a little bit icky. You know, I, why am I rehashing that stupid movie to begin with? Um, as much as I love Rami Malek and I think he's a terrific actor, I just think that was a bad movie. I am excited to see what Taron Egerton does with this role because based on the footage, he looks... You know, obviously, like, if Elton John was like, oh, yes, this is what I was like as a youth. I was a very beefy young boy. Uh, you'd cast Taron Egerton, which he doesn't look like Elton John at all, really, at that time. Uh, but I think it's still a really interesting casting choice. For sure. And it's, you know, you always wonder with, uh, you know, biopics of, you know, musicians and that sort of thing, whether the actor portraying him will do his own singing, for sure. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. Uh, so that was all of the the May releases that we want to talk about. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about June ones. Ladies and gentlemen of NASA, this is Charles Xavier. Help is on the way. We're doing space missions now. Cool. We get the astronauts, we bring them home. Go. The heat signature's rising fast. We gotta get out of here. Where's Jean? Where is she? Jean! All right, so June is a bit of a loaded month. It's definitely going to be the one that we're going to talk about the most. And the first movie we're going to talk about is Dark Phoenix coming out on June 7th, which is the latest X-Men installment since they sort of rebooted the franchise to be more uh, of the Xavier and Magneto in their early days. Now, by all accounts, this is supposedly going to be the last X-Men movie featuring these actors in these portrayal. Um, I don't know how much we can really believe that. In two years, I might decide differently. But going into this, we have to assume they're probably going to be a little bit merciless in killing off some characters. For sure. I, I think they're going to be playing a little bit looser in terms of you know character development and, you know, um in terms of killing more characters off because as you said it's one of those films where it may or may not be the final movie it might be you know giving you a uh you know end game kind of vibe where they'll kill off anybody and everybody um but the one thing i'm glad to see is that um they've changed directors this time around um simon kindberg who produced a ton of great movies well, most of them. Uh, the Martian, and then some okay movies like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, so it's I'm, I'm really glad to see it. Uh, this film in new hands, directorially. Yeah, 
it's going to be interesting because X3 was basically the same storyline where uh, Jean Grey turns into Phoenix, and it seems like they're sort of rehashing that. And we all know what a colossal failure X3 was, so how are they going to do? And apparently now, you know when you run out of ideas, you know where you go. You go to space. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So... Who knows? This might this movie might be hot trash. This movie might be really interesting. I think the franchise has mostly been pretty solid. Uh, I wasn't as crazy about the last installment, Apocalypse, mostly because they wasted Oscar Isaac as the villain. But for the most part, I thought uh, First Class and Days of Future Past were were pretty interesting X Men movies. And I uh, I am also glad that they have Hans Zimmer doing the score. Are you a big Zimmer fan? Of course. Who isn't? <laughs> he is a legend. Just his like Inception score alone just like made me like Dark Dark Knight and like Inception and Dunkirk is just like had me as a fan. Yeah. No, he he's definitely fantastic and and I always love hearing him. Uh I, I just know the general sort of criticism about his work is that it, it's a little repetitive at times if he isn't doing something truly groundbreaking it sort of sounds like a bit of a rehash of some of his earlier work oh for sure uh the next one we're going to talk about is late night which is coming out on june 7th as well and this is going to be a much smaller film uh starring emma thompson and mandy kaling about a late night show talk host who suspects that she might be losing her long running show, which the late night talk show host is Emma Thompson. And they she brings in a new writer, and that's Mindy Kaling, who also coincidentally wrote the screenplay. So this is going to be a bit of Kaling's coming out party as far as her and, and feature films. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how she does with it. Is this one that you're looking forward to? Uh, for sure. Um, I haven't really heard that much about it, but it's one of those films where, you know, you have a really talented writer who, you know, she had her own show for years, which ended a, a few years ago, I believe. And you have a really, really talented leading actress like Emma Thompson who can, like, you know, carry any film on her shoulders. Um, and especially, you know, an intriguing premise like, you know, an actress like that having her own late night talk show. Um, it definitely makes for, you know, an interesting film to see. Yeah. This could be one of those sleeper summer hits, or it could be one that might be forgotten a week after it comes out. Yeah. Cause I was looking at the, um, the Rotten Tomatoes and apparently it has a 76 you know, percent rating, which isn't that bad. No, that could definitely be something that has a bit of legs especially if people are dying to see something that isn't a big tentpole movie feature. For sure. And, and it's great to see, you know, not a major type studio like Amazon, you know, getting the film rights um, at Sundance and being able to sort of, you know, strike out on with a film like this that might be, like you said, like it might be an underrated sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. So the next movie we're going to talk about is the reboot slash new sequel again, Men in Black International, coming out on June 14th. This time the film is starring Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, uh, and Liam Neeson. 
And I just don't know what to think about this. I was a huge fan of, of the original Men in Black. It did a great job combining comedy and horror. And then the franchise steadily went downhill. And then there was the much long-rumored collaboration crossover with Men in Black and 21 Jump Street. And then that fell apart. And now we finally get this. And I'm just wondering, do we really need another Men in Black movie? We really don't. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those films where, you know, if they don't make another one, I don't think a lot of people are going to complain about it, but, you know, at the same time, it's one of those, uh, series that desperately needed a reboot. Um, I don't think this time around after so many years that you could just do, you know, bring back the original cast and have it still be a hit. Um, the fact that they landed, you know, talent, like, Chris Hensworth and Tessa Thompson, um, you know, hopefully says something about the quality of the script. Um, you know, and even having F. Gary Gray um, as director, like, I'm optimistic that it says something about the quality of the overall project, and hopefully it surpasses my very low expectations. Yeah. I, I just feel like this has, you know summer bomb written all over it i loved hemsworth and, and thompson as a pairing in uh in the last thor movie but like i don't know the trailer just doesn't look that funny and uh, everything about it just screams like skip this movie for sure even uh, the trailer itself uh, a lot of the jokes landed very very flat um and even just the older films like it's campy as hell. It, it's kind of that whole thing. Like, even if the jokes don't land, like that's sort of their whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, I feel like this movie's going to take itself too seriously. Yeah, that's definitely the, you know, um, something to be concerned about. Cause you know, you see the trailer and it's kind of just like, you know, what kind of balance are they going to strike between having it, you know, science fiction comedy but also you know seriousness because it's not a serious movie at all no and i don't know because i feel like hemsworth has basically become the king of being able to be in on the joke for sure especially you know his run as thor and you know uh even like something like cabin in the woods um gives you the sort of impression that like he's able to strike that balance for sure. But, you know, the overall tone of the movie is going to be really important. And I know a lot of people really didn't like it, but he was the one constant praise I was hearing in um, the Ghostbusters reboot where he was basically playing a himbo. He was the, the stupid, dumb, hot, sexy secretary in that movie. And by all accounts, he did a fantastic job with that role. I ended up not seeing that movie, but every time I... I heard about it it was like this movie sucks but chris hemsworth is hilarious in it there's always those kinds of movies that are generally probably awful but like that one actor in that one particular role that like saves it somewhat mm -hmm. all right the next one we're going to talk about i'm really excited about this is the dead don't die coming out on june 14th the new jim jarmusch movie which you know if you think jim jarmusch you automatically think a zombie comedy movie starring Bill Murray and Adam Driver, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's definitely, you know, at, if, before you even see the trailer, it's like if you've seen any of his like films from the 80s, they're very like, you know, black and white, they're very gritty. But then you see him, you know, do like an ensemble, you know, zombie comedy film. It's like, is it really that, you know, the kind of films that he's doing now? But looking at the trailer, it's not only a stacked cast, but like, it's kind of hilarious. Mm hmm. And it seems like it's really going to be straddling the line of super dark deadpan humor with uh, a bit of his sort of conventional drama woven into it. Yeah, it's it's going to have his sort of trademark, you know, sort of themes hopefully attached to it. And like the fact that, you know, you can you have like Bill Murray and, and Adam Driver and, and scenes together is just it warms my heart. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see this is the type of film that by watching the trailer, it's probably going to be a movie that's hard to market. And what we're seeing is not exactly how the film is going to play out. I hope that's not the case because looking at the trailer, it's definitely a movie I want to see in theaters. Well, like I, I, I don't doubt that or, or not arguing that at least. Uh, I think that the humor is there. I think a lot of his films definitely have a, a nice sense of humor. But I think if you were to be like, oh, fans of Zombieland, you like the the horror comedy mashup with zombies. Wait till you check this out. And you watch and you're like, I'm not really sure what this trailer is. I'm watching and Selena Gomez is in it for some reason. And, and what has Jim Jarmusch done? And I think there's going to be a lot of confusion by people that maybe don't really know what to expect from a Jarmish film. For sure. I, I don't think it's, I think that's sort of the issue that like people are going to think like, oh, it might be like, you know, something, you know, resembling Zombieland, which is not what it is because, you know, that's not really the sense of humor it's going for. It's going to be probably really dark, probably really dry. Um, and it's not really, you know, and it's kind of like, who is this film for? Is it for zombie fans? Is it for Jim Jarmusch fans? Uh, it's kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I think the one constant about this will be is almost no one will watch it. And those that do, it will end up in their top 10 lists. For sure. Probably, <laughs> yeah, end up in mine. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Um, all right. The next movie we're going to talk about, June 21st, another sequel Toy Story 4. At the end of Toy Story 3, when that came out, I, I can't even remember how long ago that was now. I feel like it's it's closing into a decade now. Uh, we all thought that was a fitting conclusion to the Buzz in Woody saga. And we go, you know what, Pixar, you did it. You managed to wrap up a trilogy that no one thought was possible. Because, you know, Toy Story 1, amazing, perfect, beautiful film. Toy Story 2, I'm not ready for this. And then it turns out to be a beautiful movie. And they're like, all right, that's good. Toy Story 3, we don't need this. Wait, no, this is a perfect movie. Are we once again going to doubt Pixar with a Toy Story film? Um, Looking at the trailer, it's one of those things, especially with the um, the placement of uh, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, like which just, you know, got the goosebumps flowing. Um, <laughs> You know, and on one hand, I, I see your point in terms of we don't really need another Toy Story movie. Like we could have ended it honestly at two, three, maybe. But do we really need four? Not really. But looking at 
you know, their track record in terms of, you know, Toy Story films, you know, where they're both, you know, from an audience perspective and critically, like, they're critically, they're adored, um, you know, it might turn out to be not quite an, uh, an ending to the series, but, you know, just a really, you know, really solid installment. Mm-hmm. From what I've heard from people who have seen rough cuts of it already, this is a, another home run for the Pixar and Toy Story franchise. Uh, I am fully prepared to ball my eyes out and leave questioning what it even means to be a human being. <laughs> it's always it's always that funny thing about Pixar movies that like make you question your own humanity that you don't ever expect. Yeah, and I've done it now, I think, at least half a dozen times where, you know, there's certain movies or genres or whatever, you sort of have to be like, all right, I'm going to psych myself up for this. I don't really, you know, don't know how I'm going to feel about watching this. It's probably going to be heavy. It's probably going to be hard. Uh, I'm now at that phase with kids' Pixar movies where I need to psych myself up to watch them. Yeah, I feel like like once you hit like your late 20s, early 30s, like if you don't cry at Pixar movies, like, you're probably a serial killer. <laughs> I, I, You know what? That should be on some sort of, like, psychological testing. <laughs> Just show, like, the first Toy Story. It's like, oh, he's stone-faced. We should lock him up. <laughs> the first ten minutes of Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that guy didn't cry. Oh, yeah, he definitely did it. <laughs> Just have it at the trial. <laughs> All right, so uh, from that laughing matter, we're going to move on to another laughing matter, which is the new Chucky movie, Child's Play, coming out on June 21st. Now, this was a movie that that you wanted to talk about. I've never seen any of the previous Chucky movies, but I know that there's at least some humor involved in those. I watched the trailer for this movie. There is no humor. It, it lacked the kind of humor that I feel like the earlier films possessed. Um, you see what I did there? Mm. You know, and it's one of those things that, you know, with, uh, you know, the cast that it has, especially Mark Hamill playing Chucky, um, I feel like might, you know, one of those things where you were saying earlier in terms of like the trailer might not be the film that we end up getting. Um, where it's just like, the film might be more humor, a little, you know, have a little bit more of the humor it's known for the sort of going back to the campiness of it. Cause it is a slasher film. It is a horror film, but at the same time, it's a doll that comes to life. <laughs> so it's kind of just like, you know, it's supposed to be campy as hell. And it's just, you know, if you have that kind of mindset going in, I think you'll get something out of it. Now, what do you, make of this idea that it's basically sort of like a technological horror film that it's sort of a social commentary for this idea of we are now all connected whether it's your amazon echoes or your google homes or things like that it seems like chucky is the equivalent to that where he's based off an operating system named buddy that controls your whole home do you think that it's going to be good material for them to mine or is it going to be a little too on the nose and trying too hard um i think with this particular film it sort of remains to be seen on how well they'll sort of implement the sort of technological 
um, motifs. Um, it's definitely, you know, a pretty, like, solid, um, you know, story idea for a horror film, even though, you know, sort of the technological aspect has sort of been done to death at this point. But especially sort of in the, you know, Chucky universe, you know, and having that kind of campy sense of humor, it might work. I don't have high expectations for it, but like, you know, it might work in that universe. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm definitely going to be skipping this movie, so I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are of them later. Uh, And then the last June movie we are going to talk about is Yesterday, coming out on June 28th. It's the new Danny Boyle film, uh, and it's basically this idea of there's a global power outage, and when it comes back on, everyone in the world has forgotten about the Beatles, except for this one guy, a struggling musician, and he starts, you know, strumming along some Beatles tunes and suddenly becomes a massive pop star because the Beatles are the greatest songwriters that ever lived. It's the weirdest concept I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it's like, Hey, we're going to get high and like, think of a movie idea and like, Hey, the Beatles don't exist. <laughs> um, and it's one of those things where it's just like, I can't imagine how much the, like the licensing would be, how expensive that would be for this film. Cause like the Beatles songs just to like license it for like movie or TV is like notoriously expensive. Yeah, I'm not too sure. And if you watch the trailer, you know, you hear several Beatles songs and the fact that it's, you know, very much supposed to be a whole riff on, you know, what does it mean to take someone else's art and call it your own? I know Hot Tub Time Machine originally kind of did that same idea, which I feel ridiculous referencing that. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's sort of... uh it's an interesting sort of follow up, you know, for Danny Boyle, who, you know, his last film was, uh, the train spotting, um, sequel, you know, so having more of a, a lighthearted, you know, kind of musical film, um, is kind of an interesting follow up for him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of flirted around with different genres. I know most of his films are usually either fairly intense or, you know, more horror themed. Uh, but he does have a couple movies that are a little lighter in tone. And this by far seems to be the lightest tone movie he has ever made. For sure. For, for a guy who's, uh, you know, kind of known for the darker, you know, kind of films. It's, it's, it's always nice to see a filmmaker like that, um, sort of touch on the lighter side of things. As a Beatles fan, I'm definitely curious to see where this goes, but I am fully aware that this is probably going to be a pretty cheesy film. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you remember, um, what was it called? Across the Universe? Mm-hmm. Like, how, like, however long that was ago, um, where they just had an ensemble cast like singing Beatles songs. Like, it was cheesy as hell. Yeah, I revisit that movie a couple years ago, and, and it it didn't stand up as much to me. I, I think the the art direction of that is definitely wholly unique and I love, but the idea of just mashing together a bunch of Beatles songs and calling it a plot line didn't really work for me. Absolutely not. Uh, I'm going to take another short break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about July releases. Thank you, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That was so good. Hey, sorry I'm late. 
happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? <laughs> what just happened? All right. So we're back. And at the time of us recording this, Avengers Endgame is out in theaters. Neither of us has seen it. I am desperately avoiding spoilers at all costs. I do want to go in as fresh as possible. But we know at the end of Infinity War, Spider-Man died. Sorry, spoiler alert. But there is a Spider-Man movie coming out on July 5th. Spider-Man Far From Home, a sequel to Homecoming, a very excellent Marvel movie. What the hell is happening? Is is this movie taking place before Infinity War? Is this, we're just going to pretend like we're not going to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, he's definitely coming back in Endgame? Like, what's happening? That and the fact that they scored, like, Jake Gyllenhaal to play Mysterio <laughs> is amazing. I watched the trailer uh, for the first time this afternoon, and I was like, cool. I love the last movie, even um, even though it's not sort of in sequentially, but like uh, Into the Spider-Verse, loved it. Um, but like it's one of those things where I think Tom Holland plays such a convincing, you know, Spider-Man Peter Parker that you kind of just can't help but root for him. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, Into the Spider-Verse is probably the best Spider-Man movie ever made, and and this is so far different tonally that you can't really compare the two. But I, I do agree that Tom Holland is probably the best Spider-Man we've ever seen. And even it's just the sort of like, you know, innocent kind of sense of humor that uh, the last film had um, in terms of homecoming that like, you know, it's kind of just fun and it's not something that takes itself too seriously. I'm excited for it, and I, I think they they built a really nice little world around him with his high school mates. Something that like we never really got with the other Spider-Man movies, the the Andrew Garfield or or Tobey Maguire ones, where you really do feel that he's a high school student, and and it really sort of builds into this world where you kind of care about him and and you want him to succeed and you understand that the whole allegory of being Spider-Man is going through puberty. <laughs> for sure and the fact that there are rumors that there's going to be a potential third film which i've heard will focus on uh peter parker's uh high school senior year just makes me all the more excited to see how this film will play out yeah it's great um the next movie we're going to talk about oh I, I guess i kind of jumped around the dates a little bit when i was writing it down um I have it written down in July 3rd is Midsummer coming out, the new horror film from Ari Aster, who made his directorial debut last year with Hereditary, a film I did not see because I read about it and just reading about it scared the crap out of me. Uh, and watching the trailer for Midsummer, which basically looks like The Wicker Man without Nicolas Cage, also has me terrified. Yeah, you can always count on. Uh, you know, foreign directors and, and sort of foreign films to be like 10 times more scary than like their North American counterparts. And, you know, I love how it's just like, you know, the trailer initially like looks really idyllic and just like, 
you know, oh, it's just a couple vacationing. And then it's just like, oh, cool. There's kind of like a cult going on. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I love the lead actress, Florence Pugh. She has been someone that's kind of been bubbling under the radar the last couple of years. Uh, gave one of my favorite performances last year in uh, Outlaw King, um, the, uh, the, the Netflix original movie starring Chris Pine. And so she's someone that's really interesting to me. And I love the look of this movie. I think it's got beautiful art direction. But, like, I don't know if I can sit through this. <laughs> you know, Florence, uh, she also gave a really, really understated performance in uh, Lady Macbeth from 2016, which I really, really loved. Yeah, that was one I've been meaning to catch up on. Well, also, plus with this film, like, the fact that, you know, uh, it's an A24 production, you know, who have produced a ton of, of fantastic films for, for years. You know, they have a really, really great track record. So I'm, I'm very confident, um, as confident as one can be as an upcoming movie, uh, that it will be at least entertaining. Yeah, they've only been around for a couple years now, but it seems like every release that they've put out has either been a huge criti critical success or really resonated with the fans of the genre that it's going for. They, they mostly do genre films. They have done some just traditional dramas and comedies, but it seems like they deal mostly with genre films, whether they be horror or thriller or mystery. Um, and, and just having that name alone I can guarantee that this movie is going to be entertaining for uh, fans of like the horror thriller for sure you know hopefully this will be the movie that will get you out and watching your first horror movie. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, moving on to lighter fare coming out in on July 19th is the li Lion King. Oh, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know anything about this one. Uh, can you fill me in? You know, it's um, it's an it's an upstart movie mm. by some startup film studio called uh, Walt, Walt Disney. I, I think it just goes by Disney. It just goes by Disney. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, you know, really great upstart cast. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, apparently has to do with like lions and, you know, following their destiny. Is this like planet earth three? I think so. Okay. I, I think, uh, Attenborough is going to come back and, uh, narrate the entire thing. Great. That's probably the easiest way to get me in the theater. <laughs> Uh, for real, though, uh, Disney is continuing their trend with their remakes. Uh, I swear to God, if one more person calls this a live-action remake, I will rip all my hair out because there is nothing live-action about this movie. It is purely CGI. Yeah, I think initially when it was announced that people were sort of saying, like, oh, it's a live-action. Like, no, you're not going to see Beyonce in, like, a tiger <laughs> costume or something. Can you imagine? Actually, I probably can. He'd probably look amazing. <laughs> uh, Dan, uh, Donald Glover in a, in a lion costume, too. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you could probably incorporate that into his uh, on stage outfit. Yeah, right? 
Um, but this is following the trend now. Earlier this year, we had both Dumbo and at the time of this recording, uh, Aladdin hasn't come out yet, but uh, it will be out very shortly, which pass on both. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, I'm perfectly happy with like the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those Disney films where it's like, it's really, really stood up well since it was released so many years ago that like i don't personally see see the need for a remake yeah neither do i but the the only thing that has me somewhat interested is this cast because for some reason they have absolutely knocked it out of the park with everyone involved you know we talked about beyonce and donald glover being in it but they've also got seth rogan and chew it all edgy for and james earl jones is back and billy eichner and keegan michael key and john oliver and eric andre and on and on and on and on and i'm just like yeah like you give me any of those names you know john oliver as zazu yeah i'll go see that shit for sure, and the fact that they are able to lure back some of the original cast, like Nathan Lane and Rowan Atkinson, things like that, will definitely get me in the seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if this is going to be any good or not, but uh, this is going to make all the money in the world and probably be the second highest grossing film of the year behind Endgame. Now, the last July movie we're going to talk about coming on July 26th, probably my most anticipated movie of this entire summer season, is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, what I find so interesting is this trailer is basically pure comedy, but if you actually read what the movie's about, this is about the Manson killings, so I have no idea how he is going to connect this such light-hearted comedy with one of the most gruesome violent murder sprees that the u.s had ever known especially during this era like i know that's tarantino's thing as blending comedy and violence but this is kind of taking it to a whole other level when it's so real and vivid for a lot of people still alive yeah, it's one of those things where you wouldn't ever imagine seeing like Quentin Tarantino taking on like a historical crime thriller. Like he usually, I mean, he has sort of in the past, but like not as direct as he has with this film. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think the pairing of, of Leo and, and Brad are is, you know, perfect casting. The two of them look like they're going to be playing off each other so well. And just, you know, who gives a crap? Let's just go out there, rock this scene and, and not care about anyone. Uh, because if Tarantino laughs or enjoys what we're doing, then we must be doing something right. Also, can I just say, like, how terrible the, the poster looks? It looks pretty garbage like in terms of like how hyped this film is and i know it's just a teaser poster but still like it looks like the worst poster ever even the font using the font of the hollywood sign i think is kind of terrible (laughs) they tried too much to make it a homage to like you know oh old hollywood and things like that but it's just like you know, it's there is such a thing as being a tryhard. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what the hell is happening with that? But like, uh, I watched 
I listened to the excellent podcast series, You Must Remember This, and on it, Katrina Longworth did an entire season on the Manson murder, so I'm very well versed in everything that happened, and it like just thinking about some of it is so repulsive and terrifying for me and you sort of see bits and pieces in the trailer you, you get a flash of what um manson looks like and you get some flashes of what some of his followers look like and, and i think this movie is going to go to some really dark places even for tarantino standards and it's also interesting in the trailer that it's it specifically mentions that it's the ninth film that he's done. Like you, you can't imagine like how long of a career he's had, but he's only made like that many films. Mm-hmm. It's been like 30 years. And I think wasn't his whole thing was like, he's going to make 10 films and then like retire pretty much. Yeah. There was originally talk about, uh, the hateful eight being his eighth and final film. And then he's like, no, I've got two more scripts. It's going to be 10 movies. Um, I, I don't know. Like you can't see what I'm doing over radio, but I'm, I'm rolling my eyes and doing a, a hand gesturing motion of, yeah, he's only going to do 10 movies. I also loved how the the film was originally scheduled for release on August 9th, which was the uh, 15th anniversary of the murders. And then it got like pushed to like July. Probably for the best. A little tasteless, to be honest. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I think if there's one thing we can really take out of the trailer is uh, Mike Moe, who is playing Bruce Lee, looks absolutely incredible. He looked amazing. And you never know. If we watch the film, he might be in jail for manslaughter. <laughs> like that that line alone talking about how his his fists are registered weapons and Brad Pitt's response. Like that's gonna be like the quote of the year. My hands are registered as lethal weapons. We get into a fight, I accidentally kill you. I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Uh, So I'm pretty curious about this one. I'm going to see this in theaters no matter what. It's probably going to end up in my top 10 of the year because I'm such a a Tarantino fanboy. I know. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate that. Uh, we're just going to go right into August uh, with our August releases. Uh, only got a couple here, and I think by the time you get to August, it's the dregs of the summer season. Uh, it's not really what you'd be expecting. This sort of seems like the studios take off August and September in preparation for award season when October festival circuit really comes into hard play, and we, we get a lot of the like Oscar bait movies but there usually is at least one or two decent movies that get put out in that time and and maybe some of these are that Uh, the first one is The New Mutants coming out on August 2nd this is another X-Men movie but it is not connected to Dark Phoenix or those other X-Men movies in either way in any way possible even though it also does star another Game of Thrones actor I love seeing the trailer. It doesn't really strike you as a superhero film. Like, it's obviously, you know, a straight-up horror film. And, you know, being somebody who, you know, where superhero movies aren't really my thing, like, the fact that it sort of positioned itself as a horror film will will definitely get people like me. 
um, into the theater. Um, yeah, it's just like the the way that it's framed. Like it, you don't really. It, it's not like um, an Avengers film or a typical sort of X Men film. It's it, it's great that it's a, it's a standalone thing. Yeah. I have no idea really what to expect for this because you watch the trailer and like this is, you know, might as well be an American horror story type of movie with what's going on. This is terrifying mental institution sort of stuff going on. And we're hearing about mutant powers and, uh, you know, Deadpool 2 kind of explored this a little bit in a very different tone. Um, But we have all these characters who unless you're a huge comic book fan, you probably have no frame of reference for who these people are. Like, who is Wolf's Bane and Magic? I don't know, but they're the two lead characters in this movie. For sure. They're definitely trying to sort of introduce um, perhaps underutilized or lesser known uh, younger characters into their X-Men universe. And the fact that they have, um, you know, a guy like Josh Boone, who directed Fault in Our Stars <laughs> of all movies, uh, directing like they're definitely trying to get that you know younger audience to see in to see this film. Mm-hmm. Like. I know the other X-Men series is sort of winding down. Um, maybe they're sort of taking a cue from Marvel in the sense of we can do movies with lesser known characters because it, it always sort of seemed to be that the studios would only do movies based on intellectual property that the wider audience would know, which is why we get a Batman every few years or a Superman or the same recycled villains of we're going to see Lex Luthor and the Joker and whoever it is because we know them and so we must love them. But I think Marvel really proved that like, hey, people will go out and see a movie of a character they know nothing about if you give them a good movie, Doctor Strange, who knows anything about Doctor Strange or Guardians of the Galaxy? Who cares? Good movie. People will go and see it. Exactly. And, and I'm glad that sort of become a trend in sort of the superhero genre where, you know, maybe five, ten years ago, you know, you have these like huge tentpole films of, you know, widely recognizable characters. And now, like you said, it's become, you know, a landscape where, lesser known characters or, you know, underrated characters are getting, you know, sort of their time in the sun because, you know, audiences are a lot more, you know, accepting and a lot more willing to give a, give a chance to those kinds of uh, stories. And, and I think this movie is very indebted to two other uh, X-Men sort of adjacent films you know with Deadpool the first one especially proved that people would go out and see an R-rated superhero movie and then because of the success of that they made Logan which was comparatively to every other Marvel superhero movie out there extremely graphic in ways that made it a little bit hard to watch at times. And I think with the super success of that as well, both critically and financially, we're going to get something like this where they're probably not having as big of a budget. They're not expecting it to do as well, but it's going to find its audience with a hard graphic element to it. And people will not shy away from that. For sure. And I think the interesting thing is that this film in particular um, I believe was delayed for at least a year or more uh, because they did a ton of reshoots to make the film, you know, quote unquote, more frightening. 
So that definitely sort of uh, piques my interest in terms of, you know, the, the you know, the changes and uh, research that they've made and whether they will, you know, live up to the hype of the film itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next movie we're going to talk about is Where Do Go Bernadette coming out on August 16th. This is the latest Richard Linklater film. Uh, he last uh, was here for Everybody Wants Some, um, which I, I really enjoyed. And then I sort of watched this movie, and it doesn't really seem like a Richard Linklater movie, and they don't even mention him at all. And so it seems really interesting and curious. I don't know if he's ashamed of this movie or what's happening, um, but I don't I don't know what to expect about this. I I don't know if I'm alone in this, but like when I saw the trailer, um, I got really huge like Walter Mitty vibes. Have you seen that one? No, but I am familiar with it. Yeah, like sort of like the, you know, somebody sort of, um, you know, sort of escaping their, you know, everyday life and just living, you know, sort of fantastical kind of existence. Um, yeah, it, looking at the trailer, it's, it's it's really weird that there was no mention of, of Richard Linklater, who obviously you know we all know that he has a fantastic track record of of a body of work um but like i feel like in this kind of uh film like the cast itself kind of stands up on its own um you know especially with kate blanchett in the starring role billy kudrup uh christian wig um the very very underrated in my opinion judy greer <laughs> i i feel like it's one of those uh films that you know will will stand on its own regardless of you know director yeah i don't know like i'm a huge link later fan this like i i just have a bit of a weird feeling to it i know his name we shouldn't really be mentioning anymore but it definitely kind of has a bit of a, a current woody allen vibe to it the way his movies have sort of been these sort of light fluffy sort of mystical movies that we don't really know what's going on um and especially with having Kate Blanchett as the lead as well, who, who's done some work with him in recent years. So this is a movie I'm, I'm curious to sort of see where the reviews come in. I'm not going to see this in theaters. If this, you know, ends up doing well, I'll probably check it out after it comes out. For sure. It, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I would probably see it just based on Linklater's reputation alone. But perhaps not before, you know, the initial reviews come out and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and everything. But, you know, it's probably going to have, you know, the kinds of, um, you know, overarching themes that he's known for. So it's definitely uh, a film worth watching. Mm-hmm. So the last movie we are going to talk about is Good Boys coming out on August 16th. Uh, this is the directorial debut of Gene Stupinski. I, can't, I don't know how to say his last name, so I apologize, Gene. Um, whereas produced by Seth Rogen. It's unclear if he's actually in this movie or not. I'm not sure, but it's it's kids behaving badly which you know is a is a time-honored tradition of let's get kids to say bad words and act inappropriately around adults as we all act shocked about it uh starring jacob tremblay from uh room and other adorable kid movies 
I think with the you know production the the production duo of Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, I think this film has a lot of potential. Um, you know, if you're a fan of uh, Sausage Party, Neighbors, Super Bad, you know, um, I it's pretty much I imagine has the same sense of kind of sense of humor, the kind of um, you know um, immature kind of uh kind of vibe going on especially you know dealing with um sixth graders so it's definitely um definitely a film worth watching based on you know seth rogan alone whether or not he's in the film or not who knows yeah i i I don't really know i think Either way, people will probably go out and see this, especially with the success of of those movies that you had mentioned. Who knows if this will be any good or not, but I, I definitely think people will probably go in uh, that like this sort of style of movie and really enjoy it. That sort of wraps up what it's going to be coming out this summer. Like, there's lots of stuff, some some big movies, some sequels, some small indie films, some interesting genre films, some big names, some small names. I think there is a little bit of everything for everyone. If you were to sort of pick one movie off of all the ones that we talked about, which one are, are you most excited about personally? Probably either once a, if I had to choose, I'm going to say I'm going to go two. Um, probably once a time, upon a time in Hollywood, you know, just because it's a new Tarantino film, you can't really miss that. Um, and the Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I really, really, really loved, um, you know, being, as I said, being a person who's not a superhero, uh, film fan, um, I loved Homecoming. I saw the trailer for this and, you know, it got me super, super hyped for it. Um, and, you know, Hashtag Tom Holland is my Spider-Man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think for me, I, I would agree it would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If there would be a second one on there, it would probably be The Dead Don't Die. Uh, I don't think there will be one I'll check it out in theaters just because um, I think that would just be one that would be better suited to watch at home. There you have it. Those are the movies that we are most looking forward to this summer. Uh, Curtis, I, I want to thank you so much for, for being my, my first guest. Uh, I thought you brought a lot to the table, and this is definitely not going to be the last time you and I are going to be chatting about movies. Awesome. I look forward to all the future opportunities and all the moments that we will enjoy together. Uh, as my new boss, you just got to tell me when you want to be on it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, all right. Where can everyone find you in the awesome content that you create? Well, uh, people can find us on Twitter at aesthetic underscore mag, um, Facebook, Facebook slash aesthetic magazine. Uh, same thing with Instagram. We're very social. We're very friendly. Yeah, you got a great online presence, and I know you you respond to every comment that you can as well, which is which is awesome. Uh, you can follow uh, the show on Twitter at ContraZoomPod. I also created an Instagram account also at ContraZoomPod, so you cannot forget that at all. You can also follow my myself on Twitter if you, if you decide at DGAPA. I'm not very active on there, but I promise I will be more active on the ContraZoom accounts. 
what movie are you most looking forward to? Tell me, did we forget one? Uh, did we totally get it wrong? Is there a movie that you agree with us? Let me know what you're seeing this summer. Make sure you check out Aesthetic Magazine, all the stuff that Curtis mentioned. There's going to be show notes with links to every movie that we talked about. And it's going to be a great time. And there's going to be lots of new episodes coming your way. So please make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so that way you always hear it right away. A very special thank you goes to Eric and Kevin Smale for creating the new ContraZoom theme music, both the intro that you heard at the top of the show and the outro that you'll hear after this. It is fantastic work. Make sure you check them out. Also, thank you to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting ContraZoom, and thank you to Curtis Sindri for joining me on this episode. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.